Gracious Father, we just sung that we owe all to you, that we should surrender all. Uh, these are words that are very important in the Christian life because we have not been saved to live however we want. Uh, as we look at the scriptures, it's very clear that we've been taken out of the darkness and brought into the light for a reason, for a purpose. Uh, and Father, part of what your spirit teaches us is the importance of surrendering every aspect of our lives to you. Because the more we surrender, the more we become like you, uh, the more we'll be prepared to be able to handle the things that life brings. Uh, we'll be able to obey the things, Lord, that you teach us in relation to walking uh, in this world uh, and walking uh, in light of who we are in Christ. Uh, and so, Father, Lord, I ask for your spirit to work in a, a powerful way this morning uh, for every believer here as they realize the importance of walking as children of light, uh, that they would see that and that uh, they would surrender whatever they need to, uh, that they would realize that they owe everything to you uh, because your son has redeemed us, has made us part of your family. Uh, and so, Father, we should never take that lightly. Uh, we should see that because you loved us, we should love you. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Today, our text is going to start in verse 8, uh, and we're going to go through the beginning of, of verse 14 uh, as we take a look at this um, truth that every child of God, everyone who's been redeemed, everyone who has been set free from being a slave to sin should now walk as children of light. I'd like to go ahead and just read our, con our, our text in its entirety as we begin our time this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that are done or that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. I've broken down today's text into four main points. Um, hopefully, an addition of one additional point won't be too much this morning, um, but it walks us right through the text this morning. So beginning there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, um, take a look and see that now you are light in the Lord. You know, we mentioned this just in passing last week, um, but it says, at one time you were darkness. Not that you just were in the darkness, because right now, as believers, we are in the darkness, in a dark world. But that does not mean that we are part of that darkness. We are not those that are perpetuating that darkness. Um, but instead, it says, we are light in the Lord. Um, so a transition, a transformation, as we've talked about, has taken place. And therefore, because there has been a transformation, that should affect how we live. That we should not look like the darkness, we should not love the darkness. 
We should not seek to be the darkness at all because that is not what we've been freed from that we should go back to. See, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. We read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, uh, that uh, light that is in him and that darkness that does not exist is everything that speaks to the holiness of God, that he is pure, that he is right. Uh, and therefore, as his children, we should be seeking to surrender all and realize that we do owe God everything and that we should seek to be holy as he is holy. Now, we can't do that on our own. Uh, even in our song as we sung, we, we seek the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer to fill us so that we can be like God. And everything that is true in the world is everything that that light represents. It's the truth. It's not a lie. It's not something fabricated. It's not something that changes over time or the culture comes in and manipulates it in such a way because man evolves in his thinking or in his actions in such a way that it changes the truth. As I told the kids on Friday night, you know, about telling lies, that the lie does not change the truth. Because the truth is founded in who God is. Jesus says he is the truth. And we know that God's word is truth. Both as we read those passages in John 14 and 17. And we know from John also that Jesus, who is the true light and the light of life, has come into the world. John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then stepping down to verse 9, it says, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Well, that true light is Jesus Christ, because he shone into the dark world, into our dark souls, into our enslaved minds and uh, actions, the light of the truth of our need of a Savior, that we were sinners in the presence of a holy God. It enlightens us because it shows us what is real. That's why it says that the truth is what actually sets us free, because it enlightens our, our thinking. It brings life to what was once death. If you look in John chapter 3, starting in verse 19, it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light. See, that is every unbeliever. And for every believer here this morning, that's who you once were. You loved the darkness. You lived in the darkness. You were the darkness. People love darkness rather than light because, and notice this, the reason, their deeds were evil. So man is not basically good. He is evil. He does what is in opposition to God. And even when he does do good based off of the world's standards, it still falls short of the glory of God. It will never measure up because it comes from a tainted, sinful source. And the only way that can change is if God shines his light through his Son into our being and enlightens us so that we can see the truth, see what is real, to not be blinded by what is a lie. 
Verse 20 goes on to say, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. So when we participate in sin, what we are saying is, is we hate the light. Because that's what the rest of the world says. That's what we once said as unbelievers. That's why we participated in those sinful actions, because we hate the light. We hate everything that the truth stands for. We hate God. That's not who we are in Christ. And so since that is a truth, then that should change who we are right now. They hate the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. See, that's what the the truth does. It exposes everything. It takes away the blinders that Satan has put on people for them to not see the truth, but rather believe a lie. And when you've been exposed to the truth, all of a sudden, it's amazing when you look at the world through that lens, how foolish we once were. How many lies we see coming out of the mouths of people people that we're supposed to be able to trust. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. You need to underline that, because if you're a believer here this morning, that is you. That's me this morning. Whoever follows Jesus, whoever knows him as their Savior, the one who is the light of the world will not, and I repeat, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, because Jesus brings spiritual life, he changes us from the inside. It's not just dressing up the outside. He does something glorious. And so as believers, we should live in light of that, pun intended. But Satan is also an angel of light, and he blinds the minds of unbelievers. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan should not be underestimated. Temptation should not be underestimated. His lies should not be underestimated. That's why we are to walk as children of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3, says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, that is Satan's goal, is to blind people to the truth. Because he does not want to give glory to God, because he has always stolen glory from the beginning. Even in tempting Adam and Eve, he stole glory from God. Verse 5 goes on to say, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
to give the light of the knowledge it has shown in your heart. So why would we want to suppress that? Why would we want to go back to the darkness if everything that we were created to be, which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, has now been shown in our hearts in such a way that it has breathed life into us? Why would we want to go back? Why would we want to walk or or dabble in the darkness as we talked about last week? That shouldn't even be on our radar. That doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted in relation to those things because there is temptations each and every day. They are blatant. They're in your face. But the more you walk as a child of light, the more you're going to see those lies, the more you're going to see those temptations for what they truly are, empty. Because Satan only robs. He does not give Now you are light in the Lord. Second, the fruit of light. Take a look at verse 9. It says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The fruit of light. So if you are a child of God, there is fruit that comes as a result of the light that has been shown in your hearts. That light that is of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's a result We should not be living in light of the world. We should be living in light of the gospel. We should be living in light of who we are in Christ. That word good or goodness in some translations means uprightness of heart and life. It means everything that we are from our inside out, everything that we do each and every day, day in and day out, should be something that is upright, that is good. It reflects the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5. It it reflects what we read in Romans 15, 14, that fullness of goodness within us. Because the Spirit lives within us. And when we walk as children of light, then that there is fruit that comes as a result. It will flow out of the Spirit. It will flow through us in this dark world. So just as Jesus was the light in darkness, we too, as his ambassadors, are now lights in darkness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 says, To this end we pray, uh, always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. To fulfill that, to make that part of who you are. Because again, God has chosen in his wisdom for us to be his ambassadors. To share that glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ with a world that needs to see the light. Because they're lost in darkness. They are the darkness. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, but also that which is right. Or righteousness. This particular Greek word is used 92 times in the New Testament. So the scriptures speak a lot about righteousness. It is integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting. See, it changes what we love. We love what is right. Even if everybody around us is doing what is wrong. 
or even when we're tempted to do wrong or to be a part of what the world does. See, the light is a purity of life. And because Christ is righteous, so should his children be. 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, And now, little children, abide in him so that, okay, there's a reason for abiding in him, walking, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame of his coming. We should not be ashamed to be God's children, even if they persecute us for our faith. We've been redeemed for a reason. And the only person we need to be right with is the God who made us. Because he is the one to whom we must give an account. Verse 29 goes to say, if you know that he is righteous, so if you know that God is righteous, which we know is one of his attributes, he is righteousness, you may be sure. Okay, there's those words again. So there's no doubt There's no being tossed to and fro. If you know God is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See, that's a telltale sign. We can see the fruit of that light living out because when we see other people doing righteous things, not for their own glory, but for the glory of God, then we can know that just as God is righteous and because God in the spirit indwells every believer as the righteous God of all, then their actions will also reflect that and will be able to tell who belong to God. You ever had that encounter where all of a sudden you meet somebody brand new and a few moments into the conversation, you know right off the bat, I bet you this person knows Jesus Christ. And you start talking to them and all of a sudden you realize they do. See, that's what this is talking about. It's that righteousness living out in a practical way. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Or truth, it can be translated. You think God's word has a lot to say about truth? This word's used 109 times in the New Testament. It means sincerity of mind and integrity of character or a mode of life in harmony with divine truth. It's the same word that we'll see a little later on in the next chapter in Ephesians, verse 14, where it says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. See, God did not want us to go into the world unaware. He did not just make us light to flounder as light. But instead, he has given us everything we need to be able to stand and to to know what is good and right and true and live in light of that so that there is fruit that is seen outwardly, not only by believers, but also by unbelievers. See, the fruit of light is produced by those who are in the vine. Remember back in John 15, starting in verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus is saying, you need to abide in me in order to produce fruit. The Holy Spirit of God who is in you cannot be quenched or suppressed, but instead needs to live out in and through you. 
Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, I hear people say in the words, you know these texts. This is who we are in Christ. And know this, verse 8, by this, by those truths we just read, my, God, my Father is what? Glorified. See, when we live as children of light, when we walk as children of light, when we have the fruit of life and light living in and through us, God is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so, and this word needs to be underlined, prove to be my disciples. See, it's an evidence. And if you don't see the fruit of light in your life, then you need to ask the hard question, am I truly a child of God? Because you can't be a child of God and live like the world, live in the world, be a part of the world as if nothing has happened, that nothing has changed. Because you've been born, or even better, reborn in the light. Now you are light in the Lord. We've seen the fruit of the light. Look at verse 10. Because it speaks to us walking in the light uh, because it pleases the Lord. Verse 10 says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Why try? You ever ask that question? Why, why should I try? I'll never be perfect. Matter of fact, I'm more prone to stumble and fall than I am to stand on the promises. Well, see, that's part of what we have been transformed in our thinking. The question shouldn't be, why try? The question should be, why not try? I have the Holy Spirit living within me. I have everything I need. But I know within the flesh, as it tells me in Romans chapter 8, verse 8, that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if I live in the flesh, I cannot please God. But if I live in the Spirit, guess what? I can please God. Because the Spirit's desires, the Spirit's righteousness, the Spirit's truth, the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control are all things that change me from the inside out. So that I'm not living by the flesh. I'm not desiring the darkness. I don't want to be in the darkness. Matter of fact, when the darkness comes along and knocks on my door, the light shows me and tells me, don't dabble in that. Don't give in to that. But when I do, when I choose to disobey God, praise the Lord that when I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But the thing is, is we've been called to a higher standard. We've called to, to walk in the light because it actually pleases God. And even Jesus himself pleased his father. You remember at his uh, baptism in Matthew chapter 3, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So if the son pleased the father and we have been you know, shown the light of Christ for the glory of God the Father, then should we as well seek to please the Father, 
to please the Son, to please the Holy Spirit, three in one? Absolutely. That's what we've been called to. That's why it tells us to try to discern. It says, and that means in Greek to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see if it's genuine or not. So in other words, to prove that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, not in the flesh because I will never please God in my flesh, but through the power of the Spirit, I have the ability to glorify God and to please him, to do what is right. But see, I have to try and discern what that is. There's action on my part. It's not just, does not happen by osmosis. It's not just something that happens because there's a spiritual battle that we're going to be considering here in a few weeks that is raging, not for our soul, but for our surrender, for us to see that we owe all to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, that's our aim. We have a goal. And the Olympians, it just keeps coming back. I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's what we teach our kids. So why should it be any different for us as adults? It shouldn't. Because God doesn't change. He's not a different God for adults as he is for kids. Matter of fact, he's the same God. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, You ought to live and to please God as you were doing. Do so more and more. You're never going to exhaust pleasing God. Because you will never exhaust what needs to be surrendered. You're never going to exhaust what Christ has done for you. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Well, what is pleasing to the Lord? 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So are you trustworthy with everything we've talked about this morning? Are you struggling in sin right now? Or are there things that you haven't surrendered to God? Are things that you're holding on to because you're afraid to give them over to God? Micah 6.8 has been put to song and we know it very well. He has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Or Hebrews 13.16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And as Dick always reminds me, it seems like the sermons always come out in a form of joy, Jesus, others, and you. See, again, that's what pleases God because God's first. When we were unbelievers, God was not first because we were in the darkness. We were the darkness. And what of this for what purpose? To proclaim the excellencies of God, as it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. For others to give God glory, as it tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. To hear the blessed words of our Master, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master in Matthew chapter 25. See, there's a goal in it because we should desire to please God now, not to please ourselves. Because the world pleases itself with great consequences. Now you are light in the world, the fruit of light, walking in the light pleases God, and finally unfruitful works of darkness become visible in the light. Take a look at verse 11. It says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So the fruit of light, which we talked about in verse 9, has nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. They're completely opposite. As far as the east is from the west. So should we participate in the unfruitful works of darkness ever? No. But see, that's what Satan wants us to do. Well, you're missing out. Everyone's going to make fun of you. It looks like everybody else is enjoying themselves. Why not you? See, there's no overlap. There's no gray area. There's no mutual understanding. There's no intersection. There's no place where you can justify and say, well, God will accept. No, God will not accept because that's what he's saved us from. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn. You know, have you ever gotten up before daybreak? You know, one of the, the wonderful memories I have of my father was sitting in the woods. We'd walk in the woods, it was dark. And all of a sudden, daybreak would take place. And, you know, you'd be sitting there shivering, you know, thinking, why am I out here? I could be in my warm bed, but then all of a sudden the sun comes up and there's no feeling like it because that sun just seems as though it just literally pierces through your entire body. Because not only is it lighting everything up for us to see, but its light is shining through, providing warmth, providing perspective. It says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. But notice the contrast in verse 19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. You see how they're completely polar opposites? So why would we want to be there again in any capacity? We should flee from it. It should not be part of who we are. That's why it says, do not partake. And again, the question, why? Because the unfruitful works of darkness are exactly what every believer has been delivered from. So see them for what they are. In 1 Corinthians 13, in relation to love, it says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
See, there's nothing to rejoice in relation to wrongdoing. It's empty. It's lifeless. It's purposeful. No, that's not the right word. It it has no purpose. There you go. Trying to create a word probably doesn't exist. Do not partake in them, but also it says expose them. Again, the question why? Because they are unproductive in the believer's life. They should not be there. They have no role. They play no part. That's for the rest of the world to what they believe enjoy. But as they find out and what Solomon in the wisdom uh, literature says is that everything in life is empty. It's vanity. goes on to say it is shameful to make, or let me go back here. It is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. See, it is shameful to make a topic of conversation the works of darkness, to laugh along with people that are making jests in relation to things that we know are dark, that are part of this world, to put our stamp of approval even if that is in passive silence. See, there is no spiritual benefit for the believer in this, needlessly exposing ourselves to harm. Why would we do that? You know, when we raise our children, we're constantly trying to keep them from harm. But somehow as adults, sometimes we we kind of, you know, just decide that that is something we want to do. Well, what's a little bit of harm going to do? All it does is open us up to temptation, and what starts out as curiosity can lead to unwholesome interest, which can lead to toying with, which can lead to entanglement. It's a slippery slope. Then once we make that compromise, that's what we find. And know this, there is a day coming when God is going to judge everything. So walk as children of light. So how should this inform our lives today? First and always, and I cannot reiterate this enough, because even as people need counseling for whatever it is, I I listened to someone who spoke some wisdom, is the first question that the, the person asks is, are you in the word of God every day? See, let God's word have its good impact, because God's word does not return void. It will always accomplish that which God sends it out to do. And if God's word is in your heart, it's for the purpose that you may not sin against him. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's quick, it's powerful, it does what it needs to do, it guards you. God can do that precision surgery in your heart as the master physician of the heart. Of course, I'm talking spiritually. He is also the master physician of the physical heart as well. And second, put on the armor of light, Romans 13, 12. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Do you think God wants us to understand and see this? 
And this is not the, all the scriptures we could go to. And this was very scripture heavy. But again, as Dwayne prayed, these are not my words. I've been commissioned by God to not only apply those words to my life first, but also to impart those words to you so that you may see as the Spirit leads what you need to surrender, just like the Spirit shows me what I need to surrender. So walk as children of light. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what walking in the light means. We thank you that we are no longer darkness, but we are light in you. Light because of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, this morning as we partake in this meal this morning, in this communion meal, may you help us see what we need to surrender to you. Give us the ability to come to you with our hands open so that as the words we sing, you give and take away, that there's not any resistance. We're surrendering those things to you because you have our best interest in mind as your children. You take care of those who belong to you. So help us to trust in that, have faith in that. In Jesus' name, amen.